Welcome to ADHD Crash Course, the podcast for those of us who feel we have a lot to learn about ADHD, and that includes me. My name's Danae Cannon, and I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist, a certified coach, a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I have ADHD. So welcome to the podcast. We're in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today, we're going to talk about an important subject. This is one that's kind of near and dear to my heart, and it's one that is not necessarily on a lot of people's radars, but I really see this topic make a huge impact on the people that I work with. I've seen it for myself personally, and it's something that I want to spread awareness about so we can do better for ourselves. And the topic is ADHD and shame. And for those of you who aren't really sure what I mean by shame or what's included in shame. I'm basing some of this talk today on the work of Brene Brown. She's a storyteller and author, researcher. She's done some interesting work on shame and talks about how shame has a really destructive impact in our lives. So what is shame? What's not shame? Shame is this belief that at the core of you, there is something wrong with you. You are not okay or acceptable the way you are. Now, Shame is not guilt. Guilt is different and can actually even be constructive in our lives. Guilt is when you don't feel great about a decision you made because that doesn't gel with who you are, who you want to be, it doesn't gel with your moral code or, or your values. That is guilt. And shame is also not humiliation. Humiliation is kind of a flavor of embarrassment that often comes up in situations where you're embarrassed, but you also feel like you've been wronged. There was a TikTok challenge. Now I know this was kind of low-hanging humor fruit, but, but women sent their partners into a store to go get made up feminine hygiene product. And of course, a lot of the guys came back really annoyed, some pretty angry because they had been humiliated. They had been sent to these stores with these ridiculous names of products and they had been made the butt of a joke. And this one guy in particular stood out to me because he kind of illustrated the difference between shame and humiliation. He came out, his partner had sent him in to buy the magic Fuem Fuem Fresh 2000. And you can imagine how it went for this poor guy. They announced it over the intercom, the cashiers were laughing, the shop were laughing and one of the cashiers even said to another cashier what is this idiot asking for and the guy was so indignant he's like I first of all I'm not an idiot he also said I felt like I was three inches tall and he was really angry so that's not shame right feeling that you've been wronged and feeling really embarrassed and really small but not believing you're small I'm not an idiot I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't have to feel this way. That's humiliation. And the same for embarrassment. When an embarrassing situation happens, you might feel really small, really uncomfortable, really ridiculous, but it doesn't necessarily change your view of you as a person. I do so many embarrassing things, but in general, I tend to have a sense of humor about them and they don't necessarily impact my view of me. So you can see that shame has a pretty important difference between embarrassment or humiliation or any of these other cousins. And it's that whether it's a big event that triggers it or a relatively small thing, shame triggers this feeling of unworthiness, that you are not okay. It shrinks you. It makes you want to escape, retreat. And unlike guilt that might encourage you to live more in sync with who you are and who you want to be, shame does not help us grow. It kind 
kind of puts us on pause. And this ends up being a really common theme for people with ADHD struggling with shame. It doesn't matter how accomplished someone is, how successful they are, how beloved they are. Many, many of the people that I work with who are all of these things struggle with this core sense of unworthiness and this feeling of imposter syndrome. Like, oh yeah, I'm doing great now. It's kind of a fluke, but the bottom is really going to drop out soon. I know that it will. And people will see who I really am. So if this sounds familiar and this is you and you, you're struggling with shame, you're struggling with this feeling of unworthiness, what can you do? And if you're somebody who's worked with me or listened to me for a while, you probably know what my number one's going to be. My number one step in dealing with shame is to notice. This is our number one step in dealing with so many things is just noticing them, noticing when those kind of thoughts come up. And that sounds like such a small thing, but it's really not. If you have this kind of backdrop of unworthiness going on in your life and you suddenly take notice of it, not only can you see, oh, this is that thought coming up, this is that feeling coming up, but you can also see and notice what your next moves are. Usually with shame, our next moves when we feel shame is separating from people, is retreating, is protecting ourselves. Shame wants to go hide and go in a corner somewhere. Shame does not want to push into community, into connection, and to support. And so when you notice, hey, this is what this feels like, this is what's going on, and the next thing I want to do is kind of bail and go hide and go retreat, then that is really good information. And that noticing can be a powerful first step in the next steps. So step number two after you notice is share. And I just said, when you are experiencing shame, you do not want to share. You don't want to connect with people. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to put your shame stuff out there because it's a really uncomfortable, scary place to be. And I do want to preface this with saying that, you know, I don't, I'm not suggesting that you share with anyone and you share kind of haphazardly. You want to pick people that you trust and that you really believe deserve this position in your life. But in order to find out who those people are for you, you have to take some risks. There has to be some amount of calculated risk where you decide you're going to take a chance on sharing with someone. And it can be so powerful. I had a very, very difficult struggle several years back and something that I just, I had a lot of shame around and I did not think that anybody understood or anybody connected with. And I had a very close friend who I had no idea shared the same kind of struggle. And somewhere in our discussions about life, one of us took the first step, the first risk on this. And she was just this amazing support. Being able to share a struggle that you have with someone and them to respond with compassion and empathy and even, hey, me too, I've dealt with this too, can be a very powerful healing thing. Now, maybe you don't have a friend like that. Maybe that person for you will be a professional who is going to stand in the gap for you. Maybe it's going to be a family member or some other trusted person. But the formula is the same, that when we share, when we're vulnerable, shame can't survive. Shame needs secrecy and separation to keep going. And when we share, when we connect with people and get into community with people, then shame can't keep thriving. It just kind of extinguishes. So number three is very much connected to number two, but slightly different. It is find where you belong. 
Now, another Brene-ism is differentiating between belonging and fitting in. And in her way of defining this, belonging is when you have a place just as you are. You come as you are and these are your people and you're accepted just as you are. Whereas fitting in means you're accepted because you are towing the line. You are conforming to what is accepted. Maybe you call this masking sometimes or people-pleasing, but you are accepted with conditions when you're fitting in. And so when you find where you belong, when you find your people you really fit with, these are much more likely to be your people who are going to give you a safe place to share. Now, we don't have control over whether we find these people, but how can we up our chances? And that's by being you. When you are authentically you, the people you belong with stay and the rest take one big giant step back. And that's okay. That's a good thing. You want your people that you belong with to be the ones that stay and you want your people you don't belong with to mosey on. When I moved to the town that I I live in now, it was about eight years ago, I was really lonely. We moved. It was the summertime. The kids were not in class. I had been working at a clinic and I had resigned to move my family. My husband was traveling a lot during that summer and it was just lonely. Even though moving in the summer is a good plan because you don't disrupt a school year, it doesn't really set you up to connect with people because you're out of routine. You're out of schedule. So one morning during this summer, we went down to the pool and my kids were swimming and one of my neighbors sat across from me and she said, oh, how are you liking everything? And I've been an adult long enough to know that there's really kind of a range of acceptable answers here, but I just didn't have it in me. I really didn't. And so I looked at her and I said, actually, I'm really lonely. And this could have gone several ways, but as it turned out, this was a very authentic person who didn't really want to do the small talk thing either. And she had this amazingly compassionate response and shared her own vulnerable story about when she moved to the area several years before I did that somebody asked her how she was doing and she burst into tears and was very embarrassed about it. So it was this moment where I was very much me and I found one of my very dear friends in the process. And I'm not saying that you have to be socially awkward at the pool in order to make good friends. I'm just saying to put you out there and it does thin out the crowd and that's a good thing. The handful of people are your people. And in my experience, having these people is a great antidote for shame. They're the ones that when you say, oh man, I really blew it. They get real too and say, yeah, I've been there. It's okay. You've got this. So number four is even more important than number two and number three. And it's self-acceptance radically accepting yourself. And by radically, I mean accepting yourself just the way you are. Now I can say for me in my life, this has been hard. My MO tends to be when I'm in a place of not feeling worthy or feeling the shame to kind of fight to improve myself, to fight to achieve something that's going to make me measure up. One time I was talking to one of my sisters. I am very lucky that I have two amazing sisters. I was talking to my sister and I don't even remember what I was talking about. It was something that I was just drilling down on wanting to improve. And and she stopped me and she said, Danae, you are perfect just the way you are. I love you just the way you are. And that just kind of bowled me over because it was so sincere. It was not how I felt about myself. But hearing that from someone is a big deal. And it was a big deal for me. 
And little by little over time, I've been able to become that person for myself. And it can be tricky because we do, we want to grow, we want to change, we want to improve. That is very human of us. And that's a good thing. But our value doesn't hinge on that. And that's the big difference when you accept yourself, you are okay the way you are. And believe it or not, some of us feel like, oh, without that kind of angst, we're not going to have the motivation to grow. And it's just the opposite. It's the shame. It's that separation that makes us not want to take risks. When we have someone sit across from you and say, you are solid just the way you are, it like gives you wings. You are ready to take all kinds of risks. And when you're that person for yourself, it very much does the same thing for you. And another thing that that kind of self-acceptance gives you is protection because when you really feel that way about yourself, the opinions of other people have less weight. We're human beings. We want to connect. It's not that they're going to have no weight, but they become much less weighty in your life. We just had a family gathering for Thanksgiving and there was some extended family there and there was an older relative that I don't really see that much. And I guess when I was out of the room, the topic of of my work and what I do came up and uh, later on she pulled me aside and she said, I would have never guessed that you had that. And by that she meant ADHD and and her face looked like she's talking about leprosy. And, you know, there was probably a time that that would have been very off-putting to me. And maybe that would have made me feel less than or shame or just not great about me and my brain. And it's good to be in a place where that is kind of funny, that I have enough steadiness and enough comfort and enough acceptance of myself that those kind of reactions or responses are, I'm not going to get carried away with them or even really take them seriously at all. And I didn't. And so when you radically accept yourself just the way you are, you do create this shame buffer. And when we accept ourselves the way we are, it makes room for our humanness. It makes room for the fact that we're not going to get it right, that we'll always have room to grow, that we're going to say silly things or that we're going to make mistakes and that that doesn't change our value. That acceptance of ourself is not hinging on performance. It's not hinging on us somehow achieving worthiness because you have it inherently as a human. So that brings me to the end of this episode of ADHD and shame and the ways that we can protect ourselves against shame. Number one was notice, just notice when these less than feelings come up and even notice what they trigger you to do. Does it make you want to escape? Does it make you want to dig in deeper and just try harder to be less you? Notice. Number two is share. When you can share shame, it dissipates. It cannot survive if it is not kept secret and kept to yourself. So share with the people that have earned that place of trust in your life. Number three is find where you belong. Find your people that are just happy to have you just the way you are. I know that can seem like a tall order and we're not always in control over whether we are able to find those people, but you up your chances when you're just authentically you and you put the real you out there, you are much more likely to find the people that are your people. And the last one, the most important one is to radically accept yourself. That is another really tall order and it's not something that happens overnight, but it is something that can happen and it's worth working on. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I know there's tons of places you could spend your time, tons of people you can listen to, and I appreciate you hanging out with me. I love hearing from my listeners. So message me on Instagram, The ADHD Clarity Coach, Facebook, The ADHD Clarity Coach, or my website, theadhdclaritycoach.com. Would love to hear from you. And that's all. See you next week.